Welcome to Linux Link Radio by Timesys, the podcast for embedded Linux developers. Welcome to Linux Link Radio by Timesys. Uh, my name is Maciej Halas. I'm <laughs> with the product management team here. Hi, and I'm Gene Sally. Uh, today we're going to cover um, the evaluating Linux topic. Uh, well, we were trying to come up with the right name for for this uh, podcast, but um, none seemed to be right, so... In general, how to evaluate Linux? Yeah, I know we we probably spent more time figuring out what to call it than than the than the topic. So, I hope that doesn't come through for the rest of the episode, <laughs> but it probably will. But we want to talk about uh, if you're considering using Linux, uh, what sort of steps you need to go through uh, in order to make a fair decision and to pick the right technology, or to figure out if Linux is right for you at all. Because it, it may be that. Uh, Linux is not the right solution for you, uh, and you probably should be using something else or need to use something else. Mm-hmm. And I know when we were talking about this, there's all kinds of different angles uh, which you can ab- you approach the problem from. I know Machi was looking at it from a system perspective, and then you know, there's user land issues, and then there's hardware issues and peripheral support issues. And um, and then there's also the, an interesting notion of well, it depends on even what kind of group you have because, you know, a lot of the customers I deal with, uh, Machi deals with our, uh, some of our larger enterprise customers, but a lot of the customers I deal with are, you know, s- smaller shops, five or ten people that are working on a project. And it's substantially different than if you're starting uh, to evaluate Linux if your project is, you know, halfway through and you have a team of 50 or 60 or 100 folks. Exactly. So uh, depending on, on the stage that the customer is in w- with the project, um, I would identify uh, several starting points. So there, there are people that um, don't have a hardware. They try to understand uh, whether hardware that they are looking at um, will fit their project needs. Mm-hmm. And they know that they want to use Linux. This, the second group is a group of people that um, already um, is in the process of building um, a platform or the application. They know exactly uh, what the requirements are. Uh, in terms of um, well, the specific device drivers that they want to see, that they want to use um, specific uh, applications or um, user land packages that they want to uh, make available to their customers. Um, so their their approach to the entire evaluation process would be uh, completely different. Um, so the depth of how well they want to uh, well investigate the Linux functionality on a specific platform would vary. Yeah, and so a lot of that boils down to, see, even if you take it from different approaches, I mean, a lot of that boils down to understanding your requirements. Yes. Uh, I know that's a a boring word for uh, uh, folks in software. It makes you think of the QA guy and stuff. But, you know, the requirements are, understanding those and and at least getting them down to a certain point on paper uh, helps you frame the rest of your the rest of your rest of your evaluation, and it can even help you set some reasonable goals. Because mm-hmm. I know one of the things that we that we were talking about was if you're going to evaluate something, you should at least have some sort of goal. And so when you think about your requirements, I mean, some of them are fairly obvious. You have things like, well, I have this amount of hardware, and I need to get something to fit in this amount of space. So I have a certain flash constraint or something. Or you may be uh, price constrained with respect to the processor you can put on the board. So you can only afford so many. Um, megahertz, you know, for battery reasons or for for cost reasons, um, and then you also have 
uh, less hardware constraints, but more uh, user land or application constraints. Like it must behave this way, or it must have this certain certain sort of GUI, um, or you know I need a certain level of sampling, or you know if it's going into a, something that supports um, a particular kind of network, it has to obviously support that network protocol. Mm-hmm. You know we have customers use CAN bus, and so for them, it doesn't matter. Well, I say it doesn't matter, but supporting CAN bus is of, of such great importance that if it doesn't do that, you could have the greatest Linux in the world or greatest other operating system in the world, but if it can't talk over the network, it's not it's not a useful solution. And um, for most uh, customers that go through the evaluation process, um, the starting point is really um, the bootloader. How how can I how can they get even uh, any Linux solution up on the target? And in, in most cases. Um, the companies, the manufacturers of, uh, of boards that customers use or customers themselves, they do have some sort of uh, um, bootloader that they can deploy very quickly on the platform. But um, people that are new to a platform, people that nev- have never done that, um, that step might be a bit challenging because it involves a very low-level hardware um Adjustment to uh, to the bootloader and um, and very, well very frequently a, a procedure that is um, um, custom and that really is designed to uh, that particular platform. Yeah, but haven't haven't most board vendors solved the Linux bootloader problem? I, I mean, I, I don't want to cross. Is that does that still crop up in a, in a lot of cases where you know? There, there isn't quite the bootloader support that's necessary, or there's work that needs to go, engineering work that needs to go into having that happen? Well, no, I, I think that the bootloaders that are out there today, um, from the um, completeness standpoint, they are they are ready. Um, and companies can, or customers can, very quickly adopt them um, for their even custom platforms. But as, as you mentioned, um, a lot of uh, board vendors um, solve that problem by providing... Um, a bootloader already pre-flashed on a card. Oh, okay. Now, um, very frequently there is a question whether um, one type of bootloader can run multiple operating systems as board vendors tend to support more than one operating system. Yeah. And uh, for that reason, um, some boards come without a bootloader. Some boards come with more than one bootloader. And um, Oh, so then you need to go through the process of actually getting the bootloader on the board. Yes, I know we have a couple. I mean, it's not that that dumb, but I know we have a couple boards that, it's, and to me, it's always sort of hair raising to to get that set up correctly. I, mm-hmm. I, I always feel like I'm one step away from ruining whatever this piece of equipment is, which is kind of, it's a good feeling. <laughs> it's not a bad feeling, but I just feel like I'm always one step away from well, it. as long as you know how to recover from um, any bad steps that you that you make. Yeah, that, that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the most of the problem. Uh, but that's why why we are here, and uh, that's why. Uh, we spend a lot of time um, helping customers out in, in this kind of uh, situations. But there's all this, I mean, I guess on the other side of you know, ev- evaluating Linux, or even in the general case, there's also everything that happens out there in user land, right? Or, you know, af- you know post-kernel boot, right? So the right sort of uh, software drivers, the right sort of init setup, right sort of graphics. I mean, those are all things that are, well, I wouldn't say they're as important because, of course, if your board isn't booting, uh, chances of you running Linux on it are very low. Mm. Chances of running anything on it are very low. But uh, you know, there's also the, the the great stuff that's happening out there in user land uh, with respect to to getting your root file system set up correctly and you know, making sure it can be a reasonable size and getting your tool set 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's like a modeling activity there that's a project in and of itself. True. Um, however, there's, I guess, a uh, difference in uh, putting um, requirements on root file, root file system up front in the evaluation phase. Um, it does happen for larger customers where, um, let's say, um, there are several teams in a company and one team has to evaluate um, the level of um, support for different peripherals and, and, and root file systems that they could eventually provide to uh, a, another team within the same company. Um, in most cases um, that we've seen, uh, customers that... Um, get some sort of packages from Timesys, evaluation um, um, evaluation package. Um, they, they're they interested in getting Linux up and running very quickly on the card. Um, they're not interested in s- investing a lot of time. They want to see that, yes, Linux kernel runs um, device drivers that I'm interested um, are there. I can um, query them using uh, standard kernel procedures. I can, um, well, basically it gives them a comfort um, in deciding whether this particular solution, this particular um, Linux component is um, helpful and is going to add value in their project. Because it's an interesting thing you point out, because I know I'm more of the, the, the kernel land guy in all this, I'm kernel land, the user land guy in, in all this stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's almost, it's almost like a fork presents itself, right? So on one side of the fork is, you know, will the de- Linux support the devices on my board? Right? Mm-hmm. And the other side of the fork is, is sort of the way I'm looking at this problem is, you know, can I get my application to run uh, adequately on the board? Because for, you know, for a lot of things, not everything, but for a lot of things, the API is uniform whether you're working on an embedded board or not. So it's conceivable, right, from an evaluating Linux standpoint that you can use a desktop system as a proxy for your board. You know, if you have you know, software you need to port, if you have, um, let's say if you're interacting with some standard type devices like a serial device or um, USB device, you could conceivably hook that right up to any old desktop PC and work with it in the same way you'd work with the peripheral once it's deployed on the Linux board. So from an evaluating perspective, that's an interesting fork. Uh, yeah, that's actually a very good point, Gene, because um, people that really want to evaluate Linux from the application standpoint... Um, they can do far more um, in less time by just using a, a desktop machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as you pointed out, the API is, is uh, very similar or actually the same uh, given standards like POSIX and, and all mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, that saves them time from, uh, well, having to build a root file system, making sure that API that they want to use for their application is in place. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know of, of any single um, evaluation product that would that would provide, that would be complete, that would provide all the necessary APIs for all applications that customers want to uh, evaluate, you know, that can think of. So yeah. uh, um, given that desktop machines, desktop distributions come with... Um, Almost all of those APIs and, and managing those APIs is fairly simple. Um, applica- th- that actually is a very good approach for application developers. Yeah, and what it does is it deserializes the the uh, effort involved in seeing if the Linux kernel will run uh, on on the target board. I know for some 
some boards, depending on how they're supported, getting the Linux kernel to boot, I wouldn't call it a you know a trivial effort, but it involves substantially less effort than if you had to do some poking around to see if the kernel would even run. Uh, but that's even yet a different question from when the applications will go. And so, uh, or if you can get the right uh, versions of software. Because one of the things that, one of the interesting things that you think about it, the, we talked about at the beginning was, it's not only what you want to do, but the team and your your mm-hmm. team configuration. Because just because you can happen to get the right, you know, if you have a team of 100 people with a project that's already rolling around, uh, you need you know a very specific version of a certain library, and that's what that's that's the requirement, and that's a lot different than saying, well, I can live with any you know uh, libpng. I mean yeah, that's yeah. What, or you know I can whatever you have for XML parsing is fine with me. I can I can adapt from that point forward, and that's a lot different than saying I need to get this particular library cross compiled to run on this particular board. Um, and, and another uh, angle to actually. Um Distinguishing those two uh, paths is that well, um, system developers. Well, mm-hmm. so I would say that there are system developers and application developers, and their evaluation needs are somewhat different. Uh, in case of system developers, they mm-hmm. would look at more on the um, what are device drivers that um, they have to provide to uh, to application developers, but also they would be interested in the development environment and other components that um, would facilitate application development or deployment by other teams. Um, Mm -hmm. So they would evaluate Linux from standpoint not only of uh, device drivers and and Linux kernel completeness for the specific hardware, but they would also um, evaluate Linux um, or Linux components from from a specific source from a standpoint of how easy it is to uh, create a uh, development environment that is transferable, a uh, development environment that uh, can enable other teams within the same organization uh, to do um, higher-level development. Um, and um, also they will be interested in uh, some sort of procedures or tools that would allow them, uh, system developers that is, to uh, can the solution somehow so that they, when they pass it on to um, other teams, other application developers, um, they don't have to do that on a like piece-by-piece piece basis. They just provide um, all the pieces together, and, and they can just say, well, this is your development platform, development uh, environment, in which you can um, evaluate your application at first, but then um, move to... Uh, to uh, Move move further in the, in the move further in the development process. Well, yeah, that's an interesting I, thing that we I sort of I guess glazed over at the beginning, and that is it's not just the technical things you need to evaluate, but it's you know will will Linux or can the Linux tools I'm interested in doing or the approach I'm taking fit into whatever process I happen to have at this at the same run? Mm. Because it's not as though I mean you, Linux is a technology, but it also does affect how you do things. And, you know, if you have an environment where you have uh, a very strong separation between what happens in operating system versus what happens in user land, then you'll find yourself, uh, uh, you'll find yourself going down the path of figuring out how you can make that separation a reasonable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you work in an organization that is more, that's it's just a smaller organization that has less specialization, uh, you're going to look more along the lines of, you know, how can I 
almost avoid that separation because that's extra work. And understanding what Linux can do for you or understanding what you can do with Linux, I think it's the right way of saying it, so that you can minimize those sort of risks that are involved mm. there as well. How much time do you think people um, are willing to spend um, in the evaluation uh, process? Well, that's interesting because it's really interesting bringing that up because I think what you have is, is some interesting behavior, right? So some of the behavior you have right off the bat is... Uh, you have people as interesting because there's a it's not a smooth it's not linear right mm-hmm. so you have some people or, or a reasonable segment of the population that at first glance are unwilling to spend more than an hour uh, and it seems sort of odd for such a big step to do uh, f- for a big change in your development environment to, to only want to spend an hour but they'll want to spend an hour and they'll do what I would call ti- you know advanced tire kicking and they just want some sort of validation that it's even worth looking for looking more, which is a reasonable thing. I, reasonable thing, although in some embedded situations it's sometimes very unreasonable because um, with the bootloader issues and the other sort of you know, hardware-specific issues you run into, there's no way you could do that quickly, mm-hmm. and which leads some people down the path to believing the entire process is difficult because they have this uh, initial expectation that I can, like it's a commercial um, uh, piece of software where you can you know, sort of take out a CD and click the mouse button and have it function. And that's simply not the nature of, of, Im- of any sort of embedded operating system, uh, Linux or otherwise. Um, and those, those folks that are the, the, the one-hour folks are probably uh, people that are new to embedded Linux. I and mean, they're probably experienced Linux engineers, but they're new to embedded Linux. And they have this um, expectation that things should work quickly, rapidly for them, right off the bat with this board. And when they don't, there's uh, almost a rejection, uh, a little frustration. Or they don't believe it's worth spending the next four hours or two hours or ten hours or a hundred hours to figure out what they really need out of the, out of the software. But I think that also um, uh, teams that know Linux um, tend to spend initially an hour with the software um, just to make sure. Well, for example, scenario where Company A works on a project and then um, has a different project coming on a completely different platform, yeah. but utilizing the same Linux components like application, perhaps. So, uh, team understands precisely the requirements that uh, application imposes on a operating system. They are they are knowledgeable as to uh, what they can do with Linux, but they don't want to invest any time into um, getting the Linux kernel up and running on a specific hardware. Um, so those teams would usually just uh, boot the kernel, Linux kernel, up on a card um, to see, okay, we have access to uh, components like Linux kernel, uh, tool chains for that kernel, um, root file system packages, and uh, root file system packages that, that our application will need, um, uclipc, uh, glibc, all that. They will look at the entire offering mm-hmm. entire you know set of uh, Linux components uh, but the time that they would spend with the kernel on, on the platform would be very minimal they would just probably bring up the Linux kernel on the platform they would make sure that the kernel's got the right components in it mm-hmm. um, and then move on I mean because it, it's it's a very involving step um, for a company to really make sure that um, the new platform is going to perform 
um, the required functions um, at uh, requirement quality uh, in just a few hours. Um, and that usually involves, um, you know, men weeks, men months perhaps, um, in development. But um, that initial engagement with uh, Linux would be, I would say, um, probably even less than an hour. Yeah, and that, in a way, that's a little bit frustrating. But the thing you find is that folks that are experienced with, with Linux, so you know, if engineers or companies or organizations that have used Linux in a prior project have a completely different evaluation uh, scenario because yeah. right off the bat they, they understand that there's very little information they can get in an hour, right? Uh, and they're also uh, more tolerant of the risks that are involved. Uh, some of the evaluations we run across when people do when people evaluate Linux is they expect to take all the risk out in their evaluation, uh, and don't. And, and in doing that, that's a very admirable goal. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, that's a great goal. However, what what happens is they don't realize that that means they're going to be engineering the project. <laughs> so it's <laughs> yeah, but that varies greatly again with the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the more experienced users, as you said, would most likely um, understand what other things they would have to do to that specific Linux code to yeah. get it adopted to a specific project that or requirements that they ha- have in front of them. Yeah. Whereas uh, new, well, people that are new to Linux or Linux and platform, mm-hmm. um, the um, they would they would most likely want to understand those risks, right? But yes. um, eliminating them, it's it's another it's another um, topic. Yeah. Well, and that sort of gets back to it. I know we talked about it at the beginning, and I hope it didn't get lost in all the hmm. uh, sidetracks we got off. Of it. But at the, at the beginning was, you know, taking some time, and you know, not just have to be a great big formalized document with slides and whatever else, but formalizing the requirements you went out of your uh, out of your evaluation. Even if it's as simple as saying, I want my board to boot, I want this library to compile, and I want these versions of Hello World to compile uh, and and to be able to run on the board. And by Hello World, I'm, I don't necessarily mean you know, Hello World out to the console, which is not interesting, but if you're going to be using something like USB, you may want to you know communicate to a target device over USB and print something out uh, on the other, you know, get a packet to across and, and agree that that works. Or if you have certain... Uh, needs out of the network stack, your little sample uh, application may be something that compiles and sets up a listen and you know uh, waits for incoming connections and behaves a certain way. Or if you know you're going to need uh, an HTTP server on your device, well, you may want to try to get a small one of those just up and running uh, and you know serving a, a sample page that says "Hi, I'm here." Mm-hmm. And I think by by doing that at the at the onset. Uh, at least you're drawing a box around what you expect out of the system, and and that way, and that way, when you know seven hours have passed and you've checked one item off, you sort of get an. You, you, it becomes very apparent that you're going to have to spend another yeah. forty hours to then finish off your list, and and then things are a little bit more manageable. Your expectations are set correctly. Yeah, I noticed actually the same thing, Gene, uh, working with customers that um, customers that have those expectations. Uh, you know, put down on paper in in bulleted list um, helps both um, them and companies like Timesys in, in, in well, providing first on our part the right components, but um, on the customer side, just save time. 
because um, they can find out very quickly, okay, um, device drivers A, B, and C um, are there. They are working. Um, I can check them off and, and move on to the next step, and um, uh, which would be uh, recommending probably um, a specific solution or board um, to a manager for the next project. Yeah. Yeah, even if you have something as simple, because it's, it's great because we have some... Some folks that have their requirements are, I need to get something to fit in N meg of Flash. doesn't matter what the number is. Of course, you know, if, it's, you know, if it's some number less than one, you're going to have problems, right? But it doesn't really matter what the number is, but they have a number. They have a target. And those are folks that are at least able to do a swag on the software and say, okay, well, you know, right off the bat, I'm able to get it to 110% of my target. And I really haven't put any effort into it. Mm-hmm. So from an evaluation perspective... I believe that I can do the rest of this myself. And that's that's fantastic because then um, they're able to focus on the items that are of you know, value to them. Yes, and, uh, well, putting together that list would help also um, in communication in, in the sense that um, if the, some of the requirements that the customer has for evaluation are unreasonable, um, like, Could for example... unreasonable requirements. Well... Never happens. <laughs> Never happens, right? Never happens. Um, but once once you actually have that down on paper, um, and you talk to um, uh, a source where you where you get the packages or Linux components from, you can very quickly understand whether uh, the requirement that you have for the evaluation is reasonable or not. Uh, from well, assuming that you have certain um, time period for that eva- evaluation, and, and usually when you get an evaluation both uh, you have some timing requirements, but also um, there are some constraints on um, the, the how long you can use different Linux components or, or support for that matter um, from uh, from a Linux vendor. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I totally agree. So I think that covers up. I think it covers what we want to talk about. Yeah, we, we uh, talked about multiple angles to uh, evaluation, I think, and uh, I'm not sure if we covered everything, but uh, if there are any other... Um, angles that uh, you, our listeners, can think of, um, please, please, please do let us know. We are very much interested in in this kind of things as we uh, try to improve also what we offer to to customers through through Linux Link. Yeah, and if you have some evaluation war stories, I'd love to hear them. Uh, You know, I deal with customers frequently, um, and I'm always amazed in a good way of the different attacks and approaches people take to figuring out if, if Linux is the right thing for them, you know, even if they don't end up buying the product, you know, buying from us, but just deciding that hey, Linux is, th- is yes what I want to use, and um, uh, and I'd be I'd be thrilled to hear you know, what you guys are up to, uh, doing the same thing for your companies. So with that, if you have any uh, comments, uh, questions, please contact us at podcast at timesys.com. Uh, that's the best uh, place to communicate with us, mm-hmm. the best uh, way. Um, yeah, there's also a feedback button. I think on the uh, not a button, but uh, uh, on the bottom of the, the page where we have our podcast hosted, there's a link you can leave us some feedback there as well. And in either place, we'll read it uh, and, and get mm-hmm. back. But we notice people tend to be preferring the email uh, address at podcast.timesys.com. And using this opportunity, I would like to also mention or, or ask you, listeners, to check out our new website um, or improved website at llbn.timesys.com. 
we have made some uh, modifications to uh, how you can interact with Linux Link. So uh, we'd like to invite you to check it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop, stop by. So again, thanks, and uh, look forward to a uh, next episode. This podcast was brought to you by Timesys. Check out our new site to get free code, discuss, and learn about embedded Linux development. Go to timesys.com today.